It's game day, Utah fans, and more importantly, it's championship Friday. The Utes and the Ducks face off for a second time in 13 days, and all the chips are on the table. Rich and I go over our keys to the game, as well as an overview of Jazz and Utes basketball. That's all coming up right now on The Thatcher Effect. Five, four, three, two. You're listening to The Thatcher Effect with your hosts, Nate Thatcher and Richie Osler. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Thatcher Effect. And today, it's Championship Friday. I don't think there's a better day for a podcast because, boy, oh, boy, something's going down in Vegas tonight. And I'm pretty excited to see how it goes down. Richie, are you excited for tonight's game? I'm so excited. It's going to be so fun. Dude, I think this is going to be a close one. I think it's going to be a nail-biter, but I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. But as always, we're going to start out with some jazz news, break down some of the previous games that have just gone on. They've had some good games, right? We've seen them play against the Blazers, the Pelicans. But obviously, it, during the that back-to-back stretch with New Orleans, that first game was kind of interesting. Um, it kind of reminded us, at least it reminded me, of the Grizzlies game that happened on the 22nd. Um, very similar in the way that it panned out. What are your thoughts on those two losses that happened at home with the Jazz? Well, I think those two losses and also that Thunder win um, have all been very similar. Um, And I I include that Thunder win. We won by six against a Thunder team that didn't have their best player. And we all know that the Thunder aren't very good. They literally set the record for the worst loss ever in NBA history yesterday. Um, But one thing that I've really noticed in this Jazz team is that they're not mentally preparing themselves for these games. Um, a lot of times they think that they can just show up to the game and that they can win like that. And then that um, forces kind of a bad style of play. And we've seen a stark contrast between those three games um, to what the Jazz can really be when they are focused in that next Pelicans game and against the Trailblazers. And we're a team that moves the ball. We're a team that tries to create open looks for each other. And that's our identity. But we haven't been playing to our identity. Um, recently, I feel like the Jazz have had this problem where they play down to their opponent's level. And I'm not talking like recently, like the last couple of weeks. I'm talking recently, like the last couple of years. We've had this problem where 
We always show up to a game. Um, they might be missing their best player, and it's just a trap game. And we come out slow. We come out like we don't have something to prove. And I think this Jazz team really does have something to prove. And I think they got to start playing with a chip on their shoulders more. Um, every game that you play in the NBA is important to an extent, um, especially when you're a Jazz team contending for a playoff spot and hopefully trying to get a higher seed to set yourself up for the playoffs in a Western conference where there are two really good teams that are far above the rest of the pack right now. I think the jazz kind of have to have the mentality that they have to dominate every single game. Um, and I think when they do it once um, it's really easy to just take the foot off the pedal and say, okay, we did it once. We don't have to do it again, um, but they really got to keep trying it. Um, and I feel like they did a really good job at that um, the second time versus the Pelicans and versus the Trailblazers. One thing that I think has been key to that is ball movement. Um, in that Trailblazers game, the Jazz had 30 assists, which is frankly incredible. That's um, a really good number. That's a number you want to be putting up um, almost every night if you can, especially when you have so many good passers and so many guys that are capable of moving the ball. That's something that the Jazz should be trying to do. Um, and another big part of that was just execution. We are hitting our shots. And this Trailblazers team is – in no means a defensive juggernaut. They're really bad at defense, actually. Um, so that was a good win just to prove to the Jazz that they can do it, that they can beat these teams. Um, and I think this game on against Boston will be a good test, too, because Boston has some good defenders. They got some good guard defenders in Jason Tatum. Um, and I think that they're going to be a good matchup for this Jazz team to really kind of keep proving – that they're in it, that they're in the they're in the Western Conference race along with the Warriors and the Suns, and that honestly we're trying we're still trying to contend for a title. I feel like this Jazz team has a lot to prove, and they just got to start playing like they they need to prove it. Yeah, they started out the season with a lot of hype, right? I think a lot of um, sports analysts and the media was talking about how good the Jazz were, right? They seemed like they were their old regular season team from last year, even though they weren't really hitting their shots as they used to. But during this rough stretch where they've kind of gone back and forth and they've lost in these trap games, of course, all the hype is going to be with the Suns and the Warriors. Because like you said, those two teams are amazing. And I feel like watching that game between those two a few days ago, um, and obviously we're going to watch it again um, this weekend, just kind of proves to show the Jazz do have something to prove. And they have some, they have to make up some, some ground here because even though they're still at the top of the West, and in my opinion, they still got a long ways to go to be able to compete with those two teams. But like you said, I really liked the response from that second game against New Orleans. Um, like you said, they made their shots. They shot 56% from the field. And I felt like that was the kind of shooting that we saw from last year's regular season team when they dropped 23s as well. Because I think, like you said, with ball movement, when you improve that, that improves your looks. And I think there wasn't as much ISO play in, in critical moments. Um, I think that was something that kind of frustrated me in some of the losses, especially in the in the Pelicans loss the night before. Um, there were some critical moments where it just came it, there was not ball movement at all, and it came down to a lot of ISO ISO work. And obviously it didn't create a lot of good shots, which opened up things for the Pelicans for an absolutely crazy shot at the end to take the the win. But it was the same thing with the Grizzlies, right? It, Bogdanovich had a great game, but it just felt like not everything was was moving as it should have been. And the Grizzlies took that dub as well. But looking forward, December is going to be a great month of games for the Jazz. Like you said, they're playing against the Celtics tonight. 
Um, but obviously, I think we get to see some other teams that I'm actually kind of excited to, to face up against. We get to see a lot of Eastern Conference teams. Um, we get to match up with the Wizards a few times, get to see our boy Kuz. Um, but also, I, I think a very interesting game that I'm very excited for is, is the Hornets game. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that are like um, hyped about the Hornets. Obviously, they're like 13 and 11. They're not that exciting. Um, but they've been able to stay in games with, you know, the big dogs, that crazy bucks game a few, a few days ago between the Hornets and Milwaukee. That was a, that was an awesome one. Looking at the month of December, Richie, what are some games that stand out to you or, you know, what do you think the jazz have to do to have a good record coming up in this month? Um, well, I think some of these in-conference rivalries and, um, are really important for the jazz. Uh, Clippers game is really looking like an important game for me. Uh, the Timberwolves have put themselves into playoff contention this year. They look like a different team. Um, they're playing a little bit better. Anthony Edwards is is a stud. Carl Anthony Towns is playing great basketball. He'll for sure be an all-star this year. Um, and D'Angelo Russell has done his part. So that they're a team we play twice in the month of December. That I'm going to be excited to see how we match up with, especially because we lost to them um, two times last year. And so I think the Jazz kind of have something to prove against those teams. Um, another matchup that I'm really excited for is the Cavs. Um, the Cavs, I know, aren't the best team in the NBA. They're not even like top five in the East right now, but they're a fun team. I think the Jared Allen, Evan Mobley front court is going to be good for a lot of years. They're two young guys, two really good rim protectors. Um, Evan Mobley's having an incredible rookie season already. Uh, a lot of times when bigs come into the NBA, they struggle making shots. They struggle making the right plays and the right reads, especially on defense. But Evan Mobley has looked so solid defensively. And I think he'll he'll put himself into the conversation of defensive player of the year in the next couple of years. Um, I think I just think he's that good. And um, I don't know. I Oh, I guess we actually played the Timberwolves three times in the month of December. So, you know, that's kind of the matchup you got to – be circling um, if you're the Jazz. But one game that I'm also really excited for is the Mavericks and Jazz on Christmas Day. Um, Jazz had a Christmas Day game two years ago, I think, against the Trailblazers, and they won. It was a blowout. And I think the last time before that was like 20 years ago um, with John Stockton and Carl Malone. So the Christmas Day, it's fun that we're getting that game. Um, I don't think the Mavericks are the best they've been, but I do think Porzingis is playing – um, his best basketball as a Maverick. So they're always going to be a fun team. Um, I'm sure they'll be right in the playoff contention this year and that Luca Magic will do his stuff. Um, and I don't know, he kind of he kind of gets ready for those big games. He's, he's, he's a stud. Um, so I'm excited for that game. And then, yeah, you don't play the Suns or the Warriors for, for a while. So um, if you're the Jazz Honestly, you should be trying to win. You should have the expectation that you're going to win every single game in December because I think those two teams and the Nets are the only teams that can beat the Jazz when the Jazz are playing their best basketball. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think going off of what you were saying about the Christmas Day game, I, I think it's kind of an, in small ways, it sometimes kind of feels like a playoff game. There's just a lot of hype around it and you get a lot of exposure because you're it's kind of like the NFL on Thanksgiving, right? You're the only sports games going on that day for the most part. And so if you play really well, you're going to have a lot of people watching you. And I think the other games that we got going on uh, that day, 
including that one, are just going to be fun to watch. But I do agree. I think Luka's going to step up. But as we've been talking before, the Jazz mentality also has to kick it up a notch. Um, and I think that was a good response. Um, I think after that Pelicans lost, the way that the Jazz players were reacting to the media and saying, yeah, this isn't who we are. Um, we need to step it up. I think that's the kind of mentality you need to have moving forward for the rest of the season in terms of they need to understand that they know their brand of basketball and they need to stick to it no matter who the opponent is. Because I feel like if the Jazz do what they do best, they can literally just move the basketball, play their brand, and they can beat anyone in the NBA. And I think if they're they're playing to the best of their ability in their scheme, they can even beat the Warriors and the Suns, obviously. Um, moving forward, we'll switch things up a little bit. Utah basketball has been very interesting, right? A great start, 5-0, and won the sun Sunshine Slam in Florida. Um, which I thought was a great start for Craig Smith and his tenure as coach. Got to beat a few decent teams, right? Um, they were able to beat Boston College um, in the championship. Um, also beat Tulsa the day before. Um, but that BYU-Utah game is one that obviously stands out. It was their first loss of the season, but BYU at the time was ranked 18th. Obviously, that, that ranking is going to change after um, they lost to UVU over the uh, f- a few days ago. Um, but that game was interesting mostly because Utah was down three rotational players. Um, they lost their backup center um, a few minutes into the game in Majorcic. And so they weren't able to control the paint as much as they were before. Um, at the beginning of the season, the Utes were top five in the country in rebounds. And they were really good at offensive rebounds. But that game, it was a completely different stat where they got out-rebounded by an insane margin. Um, what stood out to you from that game um, against the Cougars for the Utes? Um, and moving forward, what do you think they need to do differently? Obviously, they're down a lot of players, so there's I, I feel like there's not a lot they, they can do because I feel like a lot of the things that they were missing was because of injuries. But what kind of stands out to you from that game against the Cougars? Well, I think the rebounding is obviously the big story. Um, Utah was missing debatably its best two rebounders. Marco Anthony is the best rebounder in total rebounds. Um, and Dars, uh, Deshaun Moricic is the best rebounder in rebounds per minute for this Utah team. So I think that just the loss of Deshaun in like the first two, the first minute that he was on the court just really stung. Um, and it made the youths play small that entire game. But when you play small, you kind of have to play more aggressive. You got to take the ball to the basket more. Um, credit to BYU's big man, Gavin Baxter, who unfortunately got injured against um, UVU. Um, I think he played a really good um, defensive game against Utah, and I think he was crucial for them. Um, I think their interior defense all around was really good, and they weren't letting the Utes get to the basket. Um, And I think that's something that this Utah team needs to be able to do, um, to be able to open up the floor for shooters. I think there are a couple of really good shooters on this team. I think um, Batten is obviously a good shooter. David Jenkins Jr. is a good shooter. And I think Lazar Stefanovic is able to help this Utah team um, in a a shooting capacity as well. And so I really think that the guys like Worcester and Booth Gotch, they got to be kind of aggressive at getting to the basket, um, trying to break down the defense and create open shots for their teammates. Um, by the way, 
Worcester is a stud. I think he played such a good game against BYU. His defense was near impeccable against Barcelo. Uh, Barcelo made his usual crazy shots, but um, I think overall he played such a good game against him. And that was really crucial to Utah being able to stay in that game. Um, I think Carlson got tired. I think that would have been a different story had Deshaun not got injured. Um, we needed we needed Carlson's minutes um, a lot that game, and he played well for the most part. Carlson shows that he made a really big improvement, and it sucks that he got injured in that USC game. Um, I think this Utah team, honestly, I think they're going to upset some people. Uh, this BYU matchup wasn't the greatest matchup. Um, I think this BYU team probably hasn't hit their stride yet. I'm sure they'll look a lot better by the end of the season. Um, they'll probably be in the NCAA tournament. They've had some really good marquee wins and they look like a good team. Um, I just think they're going to figure it out. And so it was nice that we were playing them when we were playing them. I think it's a confidence booster that we're able to hang with the number 18 team um, for probably two thirds of that game. Um, but overall, this Utah basketball team, I still think they um, they play with a chip on their shoulder. They play hard the entire game. Uh, they play really tough, and I think I think they deserve more support from Utah fans than they're probably getting. Um, it was fun that that BYU game had eleven thousand people in there. It felt like the old days of the Huntsman Center, and the Huntsman Center is honestly an underrated arena. It's so fun when it gets so packed. Um, it could be so loud. So I think Utah fans, you just got to show up. This Utah team plays their heart out every single game. They're going to upset some teams, um, especially once Pac-12 play starts. You're going to be seeing some NBA prospects that the Utes are playing against. So show up, watch these guys. They're fun. Yeah, they're they're extremely fun to watch. And especially over the past few years, I've kind of transitioned to watching a little bit more NBA basketball than college basketball than I did in the past. But Craig Smith has these guys working a, a system that I just think is a lot more fun to watch than it was under Larry Kay. And these guys have a different energy about them on the court. Um, I, I The one guy that really stands out to me is, is Brandon Carlson and the difference in his play between these two coaches. We're only, what, seven games into the season, and Carlson just looks like a completely different human being on the court than he did last season. And I think you have to attribute that to the coaches. I think it's they they're just – they're looking like they're playing – like they have something to prove. And I appreciate that about a team that's in its first year of a rebuild. And they're able to compete with really good teams. And I think the Pac-12 conference is also underrated in terms of basketball. Um, a lot of people aren't talking about it, but the Pac-12 by far had the best record in March Madness. wasn't even close. And they had a lot of teams advance very far into the tournament. And UCLA, if you take out Jalen Suggs' buzzer beater, like they're going to the national championship. Um the USC game was tough, obviously, like you said, because Carlson went down with an injury. And now the Utes are severely lacking in terms of height um, and length, which I think was one of the big reasons that USC was able to just run away with it once he was out of the game was because, you know, that's a program that can recruit athletes in length um, just right out of the gate, just because of the brand name. Um, but Booth Gotch was able to have a good game in terms of um, personal stats. You know, he dropped a... I think it was a career high of 28 points, um, shot 10 of 14 from the field, great scoring game, which again comes to show that Utah, I think can have a really good team come in a few years. If all these players stay and develop, um, you're talking about 
um, Stevanovic, um, all these freshmen that that the Utes have, I think can be very good for this team moving forward. Um, but there have also been some surprises for me. Uh, going back to that BYU game, I love what you said about Worcester's defense. I don't think I've ever been in a game where I've actually like dropped my jaw in terms of how a guy was actually defending. And I found I caught myself doing that a few times because me working at BYU TV, I see a lot of Barcelo highlights. I've watched that guy play a ton of times. Um, and seeing Worcester lock him down the way he did. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, I didn't think that was gonna happen. I didn't know if we had a good defender to kind of stop his scoring because this year Barcel was up for a ton of national awards um in terms of offense, and Worcester just seemed to have his number that night. And like you said, there were a few shots that went up that were kind of crazy, but that's the kind of thing that I like to see from this Utah team. And that's the thing we talked about before the season started was we just wanted to see them be competitive. And I think that the Utes have done that, and you know, for the most part in, in their games, besides the USC one, obviously, because of I attribute that to the injuries, but I, I think moving forward in conference play, the Utes are going to be competitive. Whether they win or lose those close games, I don't know. But I just really like to see them try and close out games down the stretch and win a few ones that are going to be pretty tight. But again, like you said, this team is very fun to watch. And I think that if you show up and show out, these guys will have something to prove. And I think they can actually do something come the end of the season. But we'll find out. And of course, today is the big day. Today is like Christmas. Um, I don't think I've ever woken up more nervous. Um, maybe for school a few times with a test, but this is a different kind of nervous. It's like a we're celebrating, right? We've we've made it to the championship game, but I just feel like this is a day where Utah has to come out and prove who they can be. Um, we've talked multiple times over the past few weeks about how Utah went to those two championship games in the past. And they weren't able to do what they needed to do. Um, 2018 was that game against Washington. Utah was down at starting quarterback, down at starting running back. And it was a close game the entire game until a freak play was able to put Washington up. They only won that game 10-3 to against a, a veteran Washington team with Jake Browning and some incredible athletes. You go to 2019, Utah, number five in the country, playing against Oregon. If they win this game, they're going to be in the playoff, right? Because at that time, I think Georgia was ranked fourth and they lost championship weekend to LSU, which would have put Utah in the playoff. But a lot of the players were saying it was kind of a different vibe. They were kind of looking ahead. You know, maybe we are going to get to the playoff if we make this game. And they were also talking about a lot of the players um, were kind of trying to do too much, trying to, um, they weren't really assignment sound. Now, this is a different game. Playoffs are obviously not in the picture. This is win or lose. Winner goes to the Rose Bowl. Loser goes to the Alamo. And I just think the mentality has to be, in, in a weird way, I just think it has to be like revenge. And I don't think, obviously, it's because of this game. I think it's because of that 2019 game. Oregon absolutely decimated Utah in a way that the Utes had not seen it all that year and I think affected what they did in the bowl game against Texas a few weeks after. I think Utah should return the favor tonight because I just think this team, this storyline, this is like too much of a storybook ending to pass up. And I think that what happens in Vegas tonight should be a beautiful game. Like I said, I, I think it's going to be tight. But Utah still, I think, has a lot to prove. And tonight, it's another national stage. This is the one Power 5 championship that isn't on Saturday, so we're going to have a lot of eyes viewing us. We got the boys, Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, calling the game on ABC. What more could you ask in terms of exposure? 
Richie, what do you want to see tonight from the Utes against Oregon and Vegas? Well, I think what you said about mentality is really important. Um, it feels like we kind of know what we're going to get out of both teams. We know their strengths and their weaknesses. So this game, it just feels more like a mental game than anything. It seems like the team that has the better edge is going to come out on top. And I think Utah's done a lot of stuff to give themselves a really good edge. Um, but at the same time, you kind of have to realize this Oregon team, they weren't excited about that loss that's probably been haunting them the last couple of days. That was their college football playoff stream just smashed. And so they're going to, they're definitely going to want their revenge. Like you said, um, this Oregon team, we know it's a good team. Um, but I feel like one key to the game that we had last time is we prevented them from making big plays. Um, they didn't have any big throws. They didn't have any really big runs. And I think that's what Utah has to be able to shut down this next game. Um, all it really takes is one big play for this Oregon team to just kind of unlock themselves and um, vice versa with this Utah team. All it takes is one really big play, but we know what this Utah team can do um, consistently. And this Utah team has been a really good team at just taking the football slow, uh, making their slow drives, uh, making the right calls, uh, their third and ones, their fourth and ones. We've been pretty much impeccable the last couple of games. I feel like we've done a really good job. And so as you two, you just kind of have to execute. Um, I, I like what you said about the 2019 game um, because back then we didn't have a lot of the guys that we have on the team right now. We had Covey, we had uh, Devin Lloyd, Tafua, uh, Faisul, these guys, they remember that game. And I think they're going to kind of need to be able to set the mentality for the rest of the team. Um, they got to, I mean, it's a big game. Uh, you got the Rose Bowl on the line. And this is probably the most high-pressure game that a lot of these guys have played, especially a lot of the guys on the defense. Um, so if you're Utah, you just kind of have to come out, be calm, um, you know, do make your assignments. Um, and really, you just got to just gotta come out calm and cool and collected. Uh, I think that's important. It's really easy to make some of these mistakes um, in a high-pressure game like, like this game. Um, overall, I think this game is going to be really good. Right now, the FPI has Utah with a 61% chance of winning it. I think Utah is going to have a really big crowd there. Um, I've been hearing so about so many people that are traveling down. And I think it's awesome that they're getting the support because this team deserves that support. And I actually think that, that, um, that the fact that there are going to be so many fans is really going to help Utah swing um, this game. And I don't know if, if I'm Utah, I'm trying to focus on limiting big plays, um, especially from their quarterback. I think their quarterback has been, has proven that he's a really good runner. Um, and I think all he'll need is one really big run to just kind of set himself free. And Utah's got to do what they did last time by just getting themselves to him. Their pressure on their, on their quarterback was so good against um, Oregon in that last game. And I think they got to try to be able to do that again. As far as offense, I think um, our offense, we use our weapons. Um, we haven't really used our wide receivers the last couple of games. And I think we have two really good playmakers in Solomon Enos and, and uh, Devon Bailey, as well as Britton Covey. I think all three of those guys are able to make plays. And I think that um, they'll have their opportunities to make plays. Um, I think our tight ends will do what they usually do. And I'm not too worried about what our running backs can do. I know Oregon's 
Um, run defense is really good, but I think our O-line will be able to create those holes. Um, and I think that that can't be our primary weapon against this Oregon team. Um, I think we just got to try to have a really balanced game, um, use everybody, get everybody involved. And um, I don't know well, I trust Cam Rising. His decision-making is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see. There's a lot of different elements that I'm going to be looking for tonight. Um, number one, it has to be working in the trenches again. Um, the way that Utah played in that first game, Utah just played their brand of football and they absolutely demolished Oregon, which I'm going to be honest, surprised me and I think surprised everyone. They didn't do anything fancy. They just ran the ball and opened up a few pass plays, but it was the Tavion Thomas show and he was able to just run right through that Oregon defense, which surprised me. Um, I, I do think that Oregon is going to be very, very hard on that run game tonight. And so I'm going to be interesting to see does that run game, will it sustain itself? And if not, what will the offense look like? Um, I think Cam Rising has to be able to make some plays if, hypothetically, if that run game does break down. Can he be able to make those throws to the wide receivers and make good decisions like you were talking about? It brings me back to that USC game earlier in the season where Cam was making impeccable throws, um, just right on the money, um, plays where his wide receivers didn't have to make huge plays. And that was when I was like, okay, that's a quarterback that I can trust in, um, in, in big moments and especially in big throws. And I think today is a game where you're going to have to have some big throws. And can I trust Cam Rising to make those? I can. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how he performs because this is his first type of championship game, big type game as a sophomore. But I think he can step up to the challenge. Um, another thing, like you said, was limiting the big plays for Oregon. Um, I just think momentum in big games plays such a such a big role. Um, I think, especially in a championship game, if there's one big play, that can change the entire thing. Um, you look back at the first game we played against Oregon, their one touchdown came off of like a 48-yard touchdown pass. And again, although it didn't really cut it close, at the same time, in a matter of seconds, Oregon has seven points on the board, and they're looking to score again. So I think in terms of tonight, Utah has to limit that, but they also have to make some big plays of their own. And I think that's going to have to come down to the wide receivers and to Cam Rising, because I think the big plays won't really come from the run game, at least from what we saw in that first um, match against the Ducks. The run game was just short. Like you said, we had long drives. It seemed to wear out the defense. We're getting down to like short third down conversions um, and even some fourth down conversions. And we were able to just run it slowly and surely for 75 yards multiple times in the game. Now, today, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I just think that Oregon is going to come with a fire mentality right out of the gate. I just think that they got embarrassed on a national stage. That was the highest um, viewing of a Pac-12 game in recent memory, I think. It had been like five years since the Pac-12 have had that type of exposure on national television. And Oregon just got decimated. It wasn't even close. And I think the players wanted to come back to this game and they had a, it looked like they wanted to come back to this game when they played the Beavers um, in Eugene last week. That was a team where I was like, yeah, I'm nervous again. Like if these guys come and play us, like I'm not chill at all. This isn't going to be like it was before because now they've got a different mentality. Like I'm expecting that from the Ducks. So can we expect it from the Utes? Like you said, with a lot of young guys. There are a few players that I have the utmost confidence in this game, and I think those are the guys that 
considered going to the draft last year, but came back to specifically play in this game. I think those are the players that are going to step up and step out, including Devin Lloyd and Brant Keithy. These are the guys that I know will be able to show up and play their role and do it well. And I think this this class of upperclassmen um, has the capability to be able to teach these young guys how to look. Um, one guy I'm also going to be interested to see how he performs is Clark Phillips. He has been one of the best quarterbacks in the conference throughout the regular season. Um, obviously, he's had a few moments where he's gave up a, some plays, but he's a freshman. He, he's a he is a true freshman. Um, obviously, COVID played a few games, but I'd like to see how he performs as a young kid, as a freshman in this game, big stage. How is he going to look? And I think that applies to the whole secondary unit. Um, like we said, Anthony Anthony Brown is a great quarterback. He's great at escaping. Um, and I think that's going to be critical to the Ducks' success on offense is can he also run the ball? Because I think in the games where they've really succeeded, the Oregon quarterback has been able to run around the defense and been able to create plays with his feet. But at the same time, I think the big momentum plays for the Ducks have been when he's been able to pass the ball and has had time in the pocket. Uh, the play that stands out to me last week was they're already up 7-0. It's a third and three. The Ducks... Um, throw like a 50-yard touchdown pass, and Brown puts it right on the money, puts Oregon up 14-0 super early. And that's when I'm like, okay, yeah, this quarterback, when he has time, can be legit, and he can make some throws. Um, do I think he's the best quarterback in the conference? No, not by a long shot. But I do think he can. He has the capability to make those types of plays. This is such an intriguing matchup, and I think the nation will have such a fun time watching this game tonight. But like I said before, this Utah season has just been an interesting story. It's been unique. It's been sad. It's been fun. It's been a lot of ups and downs. And I just think that tonight is the night where they can be able to cap it off, add another chapter to that book, and put a trophy in the case. It's been so long since Utah has had any type of hardware. Because if you drive past the, the Utah football athletic facility, the last trophy they have is that bowl game I think they won our senior year of high school, which was like the heart of Dallas Bowl um, when we finished the season like seven and six. We've had such good teams after that, but we haven't been able to finish when we needed to finish. And I think that's the difference between those teams and this team. I just think that this team has the opportunity to do it. And sure, I think I'm nervous, but I'm also confident in this team because I think they can be able to pull it out. So final prediction for this game, Richie, final score, game ball winner. Who do you got this going to? I kind of think it's going to be a low scoring game. Um, I'm taking Utah 21, Oregon 14, and game ball to Cam Rising. That's simple. I like it. Uh, that's that's different than a lot of people. Some people have this <laughs> one pretty pretty high scoring. Um, I've got I've got it going 31-21 for Utah, um, and I think they pull away in the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be close up until that point. Um, but I just think I'm not going to be surprised if this is an absolute nail biter until the very finish. Um, I think the one thing I'm kind of nervous in is our kicking game. So if it comes down to a field goal, um, I might have to close my eyes and just step away for a second because I don't know if we can do that. But I'm very excited for this game, and I think Utah has a lot to prove. And, of course, if they win this, they go to the granddaddy of them all in the Rose Bowl. Um, maybe for a potential matchup with Ohio State, some have rumored that. That might not be bad. I'd kind of like that. Would we get smashed? Who knows? We'll talk about that if that time comes. But today it's championship day. So super excited. Let's see how the Utes do. And next week we'll be able to 
review this game, talk about it, and move forward. So any final thoughts for us, Rich? Go Utes. This team, this team deserves deserves the win. They've been through so much. I'm so excited to see what they can do. Amen. All right, we'll see you in Vegas. Rich and I would like to thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Thatcher Effect. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to future episodes and invite your friends and family to join us on the ride on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to hear more about our episodes, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Thatcher Effect Podcast. We'd like to thank Money Wizard for the intro music and the Basketball Podcast Network for hosting us. We'll see you guys next week.